Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I love that. Didn't you guys? Little Johnny be good this morning? Man, you guys are killing it up here. Good work. Good work. Awesome. Well, welcome everyone. So glad, so grateful uh, that you joined together today to worship together. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, just like to welcome you. And if you are a guest with us this morning, um, there's little connect cards in the back of the seats. I, if you could just grab one of those, fill it out at some point during this gathering and meet either Grant or I right out at this connection center. It's right outside those doors, the easy up. We just really want to connect with you. We want to say hi, know how we can best be serving you, praying for you, answer any questions you have. We would just love to get that opportunity. So make sure you take us up on that. Well, uh, there are a few things going on. Uh, we are jumping right into the holiday season, right? How many of you are like really excited about that? Yeah? How many of you are just really stressed about that? Yeah, there you go. There we go. That's what I like about this church. We're honest. We can be excited and stressed at the same time. It's good. Uh, so yeah, uh, one of the things we got going on this week, I um, want to give you a little bit of information, is we have Friendsgiving. Woo! Friendsgiving. This is an event uh, that we do with our students, and the whole point of the event is through the fall to be considering some of your friends, looking outside yourself, uh, and maybe that's because you know someone's going through something. Maybe that's just because you want to like, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes as a student to look outside yourself. You just want to practice that. Whatever it is that we gather together, we share a real Thanksgiving dinner from the turkey to the sides to the nice plates all laid out. Uh, it's really, really awesome. And one of the things, though, one of the reasons this came, and I've shared this with a lot of you before, that came about is a big turning moment in my life was when I didn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving. And because I was at a church, I ended up having five places to go for Thanksgiving. Because church family, people who weren't even related to me, invited me into their home, brought me into their situation, their tradition, their family. And it really changed my life to realize this church thing isn't just something you go to. It isn't just a box you check, but it's bigger than that. Uh, so we encourage our students to do the same. Uh, maybe they have a friend that won't experience a Thanksgiving dinner other than this. So we want to invest in that. It's a super awesome time. We have a great time. One of the things, uh, if you have any desire to do this, I think we still need a little bit of turkey. So if you uh, like to cook turkeys and you want to practice, you're going to do something different this year and you want to practice the week before, uh, what that means is that you'll get a turkey, you'll prepare it, you'll cook it, and you will bring it here. We can carve it if you want, or you can bring it carved, uh, but we do like to serve real turkey. We have a couple people already doing that, and thank you for those of you that are doing that. But again, we just want to offer these students uh, an awesome full Thanksgiving dinner, and we really believe that there's a lot of power in sharing a meal together. So that's coming up, really exciting. And also, if you guys can be praying for that, we also invited our Thursday Connect people to that. So those 200 kids that show up every Thursday, the last two weeks, we've invited them to show up. So we could have like the 20-ish we normally have at this, or we could have like 60. We don't know. I don't know. It could be good. So we're prepared for either. Uh, really excited about that. Uh, another thing that we got going on is uh, right after the gathering today, we have New Song Explored. Woo! That's exciting, right? No, excited. Woo! There we go. Get excitement. No, this is really exciting. So New Song is Sport, if you don't know what it is, what it is is it's an opportunity to hear about New Song, who we are, and where we believe we're going. We believe that God really placed us in a unique spot with unique gifts, 
And that's everything from the practical surroundings that we have around us to the mission that we believe that God has us on to, to all the things that, that God's doing and the way that he's directing us. It's a really cool opportunity to hear those things, uh, get more information. Grant's going to be leading that right after uh, the service today. Um, there will be lunch provided. Uh, so if you have any interest in that, Make sure to show up afterwards. If you have questions, come up to us. We will answer it. Um, and yeah, so that's right after today. Uh, the one thing is there is no child care for that. Uh, so if you have a question with that, come talk to us. If kids are a thing, maybe one of you can hang around, stuff like that. So, um, But it is. It's a really cool opportunity. Also, it's an opportunity um, for you to become a member. Maybe you've been going to New Song for a while. Uh, or you showed up over the last couple of months and you're engaging and, and you really feel like there's a settling in you being here. This is the way that you step into becoming a member of New Song as well. So make sure you take that opportunity. It is really fun. It's awesome. Encourage you to go to that. And the next thing, I don't get to say this a lot, but I like that I get to. Where's the men in the room? Yeah, I expected more grunts, but that's fine. You guys just raise your hand. That's fine. Oh, my man in the room. Um, yeah, men, men, there's a hangout coming up. Uh, so at, uh, on November 20th uh, at Glendora Marketplace, there's going to be a hangout. This is very simply just an opportunity to come and hang out with other guys. You can bring your own dinner. You can just grab a drink there. You can do whatever you want. Uh, you can grab food there if you want. No requirement. Just come hang out. Because this is, as, as a man, I'll, I'll say this. We're really good in just kind of like going to the next thing. And we aren't necessarily good at like saying hi to other men or acknowledging other people in general. So this is a great opportunity to do that a little bit better. So uh, it's just a time to hang out from five to eight, Glendora Marketplace, um, be together, get to meet some of these guys that you go to church with every Sunday. Maybe you just haven't had an opportunity to say hello, get to know a name and a face. So encourage you guys to do that. Uh, the last thing, um, if I could just direct your attention to a couple of different ways uh, to give. Um, if you look in the seat backs as well, there's a little envelope and it says give on it and uh, you can fill that out and then there's two boxes in the hallway out there. What you do is you just drop it in one of those. There isn't going to be a time where a plate goes around or anything. You just drop that right in those boxes. Uh, another way to do is there's a text to give option. You can give online um, and as well you can give through the church center app. So those are all different ways that you can be giving. And also, just to draw your attention, the worship guide that you got today, on the back of that shows our budget, shows where we currently are. Um, part of that is just to be really transparent as a church, as a community that isn't funded by a denomination or anything like that, that is completely sourced by this community that we have here, uh, to be transparent. And if you have any questions about what giving means or where it goes or, or why to participate in that way, we would love to answer that and talk through those things with you. So please come find us. We'd love to chat about that. But just wanted to direct you to a couple of different ways uh, that you can do that. And with that, I would love an opportunity to pray uh, for this morning, pray for Grant as we hear from his word, and just continue on in worship. Lord, we truly are blessed we're blessed to be in this room. We're blessed to uh, just be gathered here today. Uh, God, I pray that you would um, just meet us in this morning. God, I pray for Grant right now as, as I know 
the preparation, the thoughts, the things that went into the message this morning, Lord, but I know even more than that, his heart for your truth to be spoken, for your spirit to work even beyond the the things that he has thought and prepared through, Lord, that uh, you would just be directing us as a church and as a community, Lord. So I pray for him, that you would just bring him a peace, an excitement, um, just a joy uh, in bringing your word this morning, and Lord, that we just might continue to grow in what you have for us in your name, amen. Thanks, Josh. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I also just want to mention it was Veterans Day on Friday. Um, I don't know if you guys went down Grand at all, but there was a whole field of flags out there. Pretty impressive, but it's kind of a sobering thought to realize, you know, people who put themselves in harm's way. Um, so we just want to express our gratitude today for anyone who has served or is currently serving in the military. Yeah, um, it's good to be here this morning. You know, it's good to know that, that God sees you, that he knows you're here this morning. And this is a very kind of ripe opportunity to hear from the God who made you, who knows you, who loves you just as you are, who has plans, who has a will, who has um, purposes, and every single one of us are involved in that. Um, it's, I think it's important to, to do this together uh, thank you that you come, you, you lend your support to each other. Just seeing folks outside this morning, just wonderful to see how many conversations are happening, how many hugs are happening, how many inquiries about something that you're aware of that's been going on in someone's life. We just want to do that more and more, you know, just be very transparent in our lives together because we are human, painfully human at times, and let's not pretend that we're not, um, and that's such a common ground for us to meet and offer one another compassion, love, prayer, service. So thank you for being here this morning. And uh, I just want to say Thanksgiving. Josh mentioned Thanksgiving for the, for the youth. If you do not have anywhere to be this Thanksgiving, um, uh, Rona and I are going to be at Charter Oak, which is the mobile home park next door. Uh, anyone who wants to come is invited to come and join us with some of the residents there. Uh, it's at five o'clock on Thanksgiving Day. If you need more details, please uh, contact me. Um, if you can bring a side or something, that would be wonderful, but that is not required. Uh, we'll have plenty of food and a good time together. Um, so this is uh, week three of a series, a short four-part series, which we decided it would be a good idea to cover what it says on this wall over here, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. We're leaving the transformed by the Holy Spirit to the end. It's, it's kind of something that it's interwoven through all of it. Uh, but the first one we did a couple of weeks ago was follow Jesus. Last week, Josh talked about what it mean, might mean to love people. And this week, we are talking about doing good. And there's something unique about this particular part of the statement, to do good. I think it's because of this. It's like, it's the one part that I think would be universally accepted by anybody. The other ones are quite distinctly Christian, in some ways, love people perhaps, but definitely doing good is something that I think most rational people would affirm. It's a good idea. I support that. Um, in fact, that question has been a subject of debate and conversation and speculation for thousands and thousands of years. What is good? What does it mean to be good, to do good, to live a good human life? What does that uh, look like? 
the famous philosophers were all about talking about this, Plato and Aristotle or Socrates, or if you live in San Dimas, Socrates, <laughs> were all about this question and they didn't always agree about what was good or how to be good. Um, and we can find lots of biblical justification. This stuff arose from not only a sense of like, how God was leading, but what does Scripture say about what a church should be about? And there's lots of biblical justification for having this included. Um, Pretty much every single New Testament book, letter, writing, contains some element uh, that addresses this issue. This word, the word for good in the Greek appears throughout. There's a couple of words, and they appear all the way through the New Testament. So it's not something that we can avoid, and it's something that we can definitely include here uh, with confidence that it is something that is what God's will uh, includes. Uh, we, I'm going to just give you two examples. One of them is when we started this series with Follow Jesus, many of you received a piece of paper which had this verse on it, which we feel is kind of like a banner verse over this whole four-week series. And it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. A ton that you could unpack in that. But there's good works right in the center of that, mingled in with this whole sense that there's a God who is a creator and who's intimately involved in, in our lives and has will in that. First Thessalonians 5.15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So, do good, legitimate, but... How do we decide what exactly is good in terms of our words and our actions? Is there some way to ensure that our actions are both truly good and truly Christian if we are an organization that that honors Christ and wants to follow him, uh, that that, that the good deeds that we do are consistent with following Jesus and loving people? Is this a whole package? So perhaps we need an example of a good deed. Uh, let's begin by being super practical. So what good deeds did you do yesterday or this week? If you want to come up, I've got a microphone. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Because you're too humble to share. But, you know, there, is, there is, probably are such things. Maybe there's something, you, you, you know, you did do something that was what you would call good. I can think of one thing that was most likely everyone over the age of 18 or most people age over 18 did this week. And it's voting. Okay. So we were at the San Dimas Retirement Center just this past Wednesday, 10.30 every week. Some of us go there, and we've talked about, we talked about this last week, that we, we sing songs and we have communion with the residents there, and there's usually a little message. Uh, this week, for the very first time, we went to the memory care unit afterwards, which was quite an adventure and absolutely, wonderfully, crazily beautiful with a whole bunch of people. Uh, and, we'd, and, and the amazing thing was, some people who were barely able to really function were, were singing along with the hymns that they probably learned when they were kids. It was actually, we're all pretty emo- emotional about that time. And I want to say thank you for coming, Rachel, uh, on Wednesday. Really appreciate it. She, I made, last week I said, if you want to come, come 10.30. And, and she showed up, and it was brilliant. Uh, so thank you for, for doing that. Um, but we, we talked about, so every week I kind of, I don't have a lot of time to do it, but I think, okay, God, what do I want to talk about this week? And I always try and think about what's the context of this week? Is something happening? Is it raining? Therefore, I could talk about rain. Most things you could think about have some biblical connection because Jesus like used parables all the time. So you can do that, right? I usually start by asking questions just to get 
people involved. And this week, uh, I talked about being a citizen of America and, and then reflecting on what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. So, and it was very timely. It was the day after the midterm elections. So I asked the folks there a couple of questions. First of all, I'm like, okay, what are the responsibilities and the privileges of being a citizen? And it was interesting that out of all the responsibilities of being a citizen and the privileges, voting fit both, both categories. There's a responsibility as a citizen and there's a privilege in being able to vote. Uh, and I would think, on reflecting about that as I prepared for this morning, I would think we would say, we would hope that placing a vote could be considered a good deed, doing good to vote. Uh, I think hopefully we do so with a desire that good will result from our action in voting. And I hope that you voted this week. I don't have a vote because I'm still a UK citizen. I am, as I said before, I am a resident alien of these shores with a permanent resident status and a green card. Um, but if I had voted, I would have voted correctly across the entire ballot. <laughs> correctly. And I'm sure that you voted correctly across the entire ballot, okay? Actually, I am very certain, absolutely certain, that if we had compared everyone's ballots, there would be a vast range of different voting happening in this congregation. I celebrate and I honor and I love that. But that's really interesting because if you think each of the voters who checked a certain box on their ballot were doing, believed they were doing good, but yet were voting differently, what does that mean about good, good works? That kind of confuses things a little bit, isn't it? But how do we know what is good ultimately? I want to share a little story with you guys about Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, and his wife, Ruth. And I can't remember where I heard this story. Maybe I made it up in my head, but I think it's true, although a search of Google did not reveal it. But the thing is, Bill, uh, Billy Graham's wife's uh, sister lived on the island that I used to work at church there and was regularly part of her. So she may have shared this story. But here's what happened. In the night, in their home, they heard a noise. And both of them got up, kind of panicking, thinking that someone was in their home. And somehow, both of them grabbed the door handle at the same, pretty much the same time, in an attempt to prevent the intruder from gaining access to their bedroom, because they were very shocked, awake at night. Someone's outside the door. Um, but what happened was that Billy felt the intruder pushing the door inwards, and so with all his energy, he was pushing the door against the intruder. But Ruth, on the other hand, felt the intruder pulling the door outwards, and so with all her might, she was attempting to hold the door to protect her husband from harm. And it didn't take them very long to realize that they were alone. Uh, and that in their desperate attempts to do good, they were fighting against one another. And they felt quite foolish, pushing and pulling against each other with this invisible intruder that didn't exist, and they were both trying to do the right thing. So I'm not sure, like I said, if that story is entirely true, but I think it makes a point. How does this world work, and how are we supposed to live in it, when there are so many opinions about what is good, and each one comes with consequent actions in the world that act against each other? And what about when the church is doing this? So that makes things kind of hard. Like, am I going to second guess my good deeds? Like, am I going to contribute to harm? What do we do as a result? Maybe I should just stay home and keep away from all the other people, right? Or maybe I should just take a risk and go out into the world and perhaps I'll cause some harm inadvertently. I didn't mean to. Or is there a better way to understand and step into what it means to do good? And I, I was searching through the New Testament, trying to figure, is there something that would get at this question, maybe give us some insights and wisdom? And I, I chanced upon the letter 
that's called Colossians, which was a letter that, that Paul, while he was in prison actually, probably in Ephesus, wrote to this church, a church that he didn't found and he had probably never visited, but he had heard that something wonderful was happening amongst these people. And there were believers in Colossae, which is on, I've got a map there, I think, of, um, oh, do we not? Oh, there we go. Look at that. Colossae, right? So that's uh, a modern map, but with Colossae. And they're, they're fairly certain that's where it is, even though there's not much left of it at all today. But he was writing to them because they were new believers, and he wanted to give them some advice and so here's what he writes. This is right in chapter one. Uh, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul and his friends, because he's writing on behalf of them also, and they are pioneers of this Christian way. They've had experiences with God and, and they're writing to these people with a deep, deep burden for them, a deep desire for these men and women. Uh, these are new believers. They're living in a very pluralistic religious and cultural world, not so different from ours in many ways. And the outpouring of this burden here is prayer. They're praying that a particular reality will take place amongst and in and around these people. And right at the center is what they're asking, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Paul is praying that they will be a people who do good. Will you just pray with me for a moment? Let's just pause in prayer before we continue. Lord, we are your people and we want to be people who live out this life you've given us in healthy, joyful, uh, good ways. Whatever there is in this word that can lead us more deeply into that life, we pray that our ears will be open to hear it and our hearts to receive it, our minds to ponder it, retain it. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who speaks and acts in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've chosen three words from this text. There's so much in this thing. We could spend weeks on it, but we're going to do three words here that might help us. The first one is qualification. The second one is knowledge. And the third one is confidence. So qualification, there's a key verse in here. And really without this this fact, this actuality, this event, all the rest of Paul's hopes are fairly futile. And it's this. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He has qualified you. This is really, really, really important as just a starting point. That we have moved, as scripture says, from, from death to life, from estrangement to friendship, 
from out to in with, with this amazing movement of God where he is now creating, recreating the human race. We are a new creation. This is the fundamental starting point that we've been given new life through Christ. He has done this for us. He has now qualified us to be something new. So we're part of a whole new way to be human. This is really important because we can get very focused on individual acts and find ourselves tied up in knots of constantly trying to do good. We've got to understand there's something before that which is about who we are. So we can say there's moral absolutes, right? We say God's word has clarity. So if we're part of this kingdom, we've been qualified to be this new person, then there are some things that we don't want to do. Murder, for example. Like murder, really, first degree murder is about premeditation. I decided that this person is going to die. I found the means to do it and I carried it out. But then it gets really, really complicated because some people debate about whether it's killing in its entirety or is it murder, right? Is it the death sentence, serving in the military, as you mentioned. It, the world is not that simple. So what about the rest of this complicated life in this complicated world? Does God's world have something to tell you, like the law for every single eventuality situation in a modern world today? I don't think it does. And here's what the point is about being qualified. It's not what we do, it's who we are that we start with. Identity first and behavior second. Identity first and behavior second from out of that identity. If we are followers of Jesus, if you have made that decision to say, okay, the light of everything I see inside of me, outside of me, I want to follow you. You are the best hope for my life and I give my life to you because it was always yours, then you are not qualified, number one point. You know, when we hear the word qualified, typically we think of some form of credential, right? Like earned via the system of education, you go and do your AA or your BA and then you do your master's or your doctorate, you know, you can go on and on and on, right? Um, and so like a doctor, let's just take an example, a doctor, they spend many years studying medicine and then they graduate from medical school with a qualification. And then they can now use the term doctor in front of their name and set up a practice to provide medical care. So they're now qualified, they have a qualification, but that actually sets them apart from many other people, and therefore they, they, they have an identity around that. It's not what we do at first, it's who we are. Identity first, behavior second. And so when you graduate from medical school, I don't know, who's graduated from medical school here? Or any form of, okay, so maybe I'm, I'm always only one of you, so I, it's your word against mine. But often, when people graduate, they, they quote the Hippocratic Oath, which is quite a long document. There's a modern version of it, kind of stating some oath about what they will now do, okay? And part of it says, I swear to fulfill to the best of my ability and judgment this covenant. And then it's got lots of things. One is, I will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required. So it's part of the qualification that you have a sense of identity with, with purpose. So we also have, similarly... If I now, my identity is now, I've been qualified, and you didn't have to do an exam for this, right? Although the membership class thing, man, look out, there's a big document with a test coming. <laughs> but you simply receive the grace, the gift of God in Christ 
for redemption. It's simply a matter of the will. Repentance is simply saying, I'm no longer going that way. I'm going this way. I don't know what it's going to look like. We talked about following Jesus without knowing exactly where it's going to lead, but simply because this is the thing to do, right? So we also, though, have our own kind of oaths, right? We're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart and our mind and our soul and strength and love your neighbors yourself. Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have qualification. We have a new identity now. That's the starting point for doing good. It's drawn out of who we now are. The second thing is this. Think about a doctor again. When a doctor is away from the office and not wearing their white coat or identification, are they still a doctor? So this identity is, is comprehensive. In, in, if you're in a plane or a theater, they're like, is there a doctor in the house? If something happens, right? You really hope a real doctor comes to answer, not someone pretending to be a doctor, right? So very similarly, this identity, we are qualified, whether we're in church or not, no matter what day of the week it is, this is how fundamental and foundational this is, that we are a new creation and our purpose is now different and it is to do good works. We're staying with the doctor analogy, okay? I always wanted to be a doctor. I didn't have the grades, so I became a pastor. <laughs> but that wasn't easy either. I'm a doctor of the soul. They used to call it that, you know? I like that. It's good. But just don't come to me if you've got blood spurring out of some major or- organ, okay? We'll go to Nick over there, right? So, um, or John. I know the medical people in here is brilliant. I will, if, I, if I get an issue, I'm going to stagger towards one of these people on a Sunday, okay? Um, but all my medical qualifications, you think about it, they're all kind of the same on paper, right? You qualify as a doctor, general practitioner, you pretty much on paper have the same degree, right? They're mostly the same on paper. But in practice, they're much, much different. This is important to realize. Even though we have this identity, we're qualified, we're all very different. So in our qualification, we retain our uniqueness, I was going to say something sarcastic about the medical thing. I, almost, I just kind of, you know, like, they're not all created equal, right? Some doctors aren't so good at the whole, you know, understanding that you're a human being that has feelings and stuff, right? And some are really good at that, maybe not so good about the whole other part, right? But we all are individuals. So our, our qualification actually opens us up to this world of good works that are so diverse and different based on your individual personhood, your personality, your experiences, your knowledge, your skills, all of that stuff, that's wonderful and beautiful. You know, we're just, we're starting fundamentally, okay? We've got to do this little process, so bear with me, right? I'm going to give you an example. On Friday night, I was the DJ, and we don't have a picture, whatever, at, at uh, Glendora Public Market, which is where the men's hang is going to happen, Right? And, and the way that happened was simply because my daughter works at Penny Coffee Roasters and the manager and I had had some conversations and I was saying, you know, this place is a little sterile, this market. It's lovely. It's more like a mall food court than like a public market should have a bit more kind of funky stuff. And he, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, it'd be so cool if someone was like playing some records and stuff. And he's like, well, you have records and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. He said, you want to come to Penny sometime and just like spin some vinyl? And I was like, Yes. But that's what I say now, I just say yes, okay? Because I'm like, because I'm saying it's not about records, but what's God doing? Is this a good work? 
right? So I went to Penny. Well, then that day, it was a Friday afternoon, two till four, not a lot of people around, but the tap manager from Smog Brewery, a brewing place in the Blendormer, came over and said, dude, this is awesome. You want to do this at Smog sometime? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so Friday night, I did two and a half hours playing music, and the best thing was all the little kids were dancing immediately who were there. It's all families and stuff, right? But this is me doing what I believe is me being called to do good work. And it might involve records, but really it's got very little to do with records. It's got a ton to do with Jesus and the fact that he has qualified me to be part of the kingdom as me. This is important. So I'd say many of you think, I don't feel very qualified. Well, here's the fact. If you're in, if you decide to follow Jesus, you are qualified. You are qualified to do good works as you in the place where God calls you. Who are you in Christ? What do you love? What does the world most need from you in Jesus' name? Frederick Beekner, pastor and a writer, wrote this, which I've always really loved. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness, and I love playing records, and the world's deep hunger, and it, I had conversations with people. I got their numbers. We're going to keep in touch. You know, I don't know what God's doing but it feels good to me. The second thing is knowledge. He talks about it twice. We continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. And then he talks about, again, growing in the knowledge of God. The second time it's mentioned, he pairs it. It's actually with the bearing fruit in every good work. is paired with this concept of knowledge. And wise uh, Greek experts say these are very intentionally paired together. They happen at the same time. The New Living Translation, instead of saying, growing in the knowledge of God, says you will learn to know God better and better. The example of a doctor, again, you graduate from medical school, you've got some book knowledge, but really it's only the beginning of a career, a lifelong experience of learning how to do this new thing that you have learned, um, helping people to heal. I did a wedding yesterday. I'm not surprised they're not here today. I'd be surprised if they were. Uh, Yilin and Jose. Many of you know Yilin. They became married, even though I said the state of Washington instead of the state of California. Apparently, the wedding is still... Yeah, so that was fun. But they are qualified now. Well, they will be once I send the paperwork that's in my office, right? But on paper, they are married. They're qualified. But are they seasoned? Are they, you know... The real work is just beginning of becoming a husband and a wife and learning over decades together. You know, uh, we were at table 10, Ronan and I, and it was the best table in the room. Really, really cool people. They were trying to get me to dance, though. I didn't like that much. It was all this, it was very Latin music, and I'm just like, my body does not move like that. Um, but at our table was uh, the Reverend Andy Bales, who's the CEO of the Union Rescue Mission. That's the place that we've been down in Skid Row before. This church a couple of times has gone down there. Uh, and I just had in conversation, asked him, how did you end up the CEO of, of this place? For 18 plus years, he's been doing that now. Uh, and he said it's because he was a youth pastor back in the day, and he was preaching a message like six times that week to youth about Matthew 25, and you know, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me, and feeding the poor and stuff. And then he was in the parking lot after preaching one of those messages, and this guy came up to him, obviously experiencing homelessness, and asked, can I have your sandwich? And he, blew, he brushed him off, and then immediately felt this complete conviction. He was like, oh God, help me to, to do what I preach, right? He, so he found the guy, and he fed him, and it led him into this work with missions, and, and uh, work, working with people like that. And here he is today, 
He learned, right? He said, a mistake, making a mistake. That's how I, I, I got where I'm going. This is important to think about this. It, it talks about... Um, in Hebrews chapter five. By the way, next year we're going to study the book of Hebrews. Yay! <laughs> You're Christians. You might, like, many of you are right. You meant to be excited by this, right? Yeah, Hebrews. Also, all the men are making coffee every single morning because Hebrews. <laughs> we're going to tell that joke every single Sunday next year. Which guys made the coffee this morning? Yep, Hebrews. Good job. But um, it says this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ron. <laughs> I know, I know. You told me not to say that, dude. Okay, but it says this. It talks about the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. It's, you're not, we're not where we're going to be, right? Keep our attention focused on Christ. Live into our identity that we've been qualified into, and then we're going to learn but this, this process is hard. Surprise, surprise. It requires a willingness to be stretched beyond our current capacity, understanding, knowledge, to make mistakes and learn the hard way. You know, really, there's no other form of learning but the hard way. So many times I've seen people, including myself, who are about to embark on, a, on an educational process, and when you're going into it, you think it's going to be easy, and then you realize just how much Work it is to put new things in your brain in such a way that they stay there, right? And it changes you. Education is, is hard. You're learning things you do not know right now. And this is the process. And if we were left to entirely to do this on our own strength, we would never be able to do so. But the third word is confidence. Confidence. And it's so important. Why can we have confidence? You can study this passage again later on, but I picked out a bunch of stuff that says we can have confidence because God is in the mix. He is over and in and working intimately through all of this stuff. He will give us wisdom and understanding. He will strengthen us. He will bear fruit from our lives. He is the one who gives the increase and we just show up with our unique calling and we show up and we say yes and we follow him. He bears the fruit in ways that will surprise you. Be like, wow, I never knew that buying records would lead to some connections in our community that, you know, that's the vehicle by which I'm getting to know people. And it's not a sort of like salesman thing. I'm not like, ha-ha, I'm not really playing records. It's all of it. It's joy, it's community, it's life, it's a love of music, but it's mostly a love of people and wanting to connect. He gives us power. He has placed us in his kingdom of light. And we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the most important thing. Because when you fail, it is not the end. You know, hopefully we have enough moral kind of understanding to not really do some, go out and, you know, do some dreadful things. But there's a lot of gray area and things where we will we'll mess up. We'll be hurt feelings, misunderstandings. But we're living in a spirit of grace because we are forgiven. We are free. So what really comes to this confidence can lead to bold action. We're, we are supported, you know, and I was thinking about this, like, bold action, and I immediately thought of our dog. It's my daughter's dog, actually, Sonny. And so he really loves me. He's growing to love me more than I like. He won't leave me alone. But, like, when I, when I came home, he would kind of jump up, and he was so excited to see me, and I had this thought... Like, when I was a, a kid, I had a friend whose dog jumped into their arms. 
And I thought it was the coolest thing ever that a dog would be so happy to see you that it would just literally leap into your arms. So one day I was just like, Sonny! And he like did it. And he was as surprised as I was that he did it and that I caught him. So then it became a thing that now pretty much every single time I come home from being away, for, even just outside to get the garbage out, Sonny just runs, clackety, clackety, clack, and leaps at me. And occasionally I'm not ready, you know, but I've not dropped him yet. But I thought, isn't that like what we want to be like with God? That my confidence in him, because he is good. He is love. He is for me. And he offers me life would be that I would jump into this life with trust and confidence, growingly over time. Little Sonny, man, a little dog can teach me lessons. Yeah, and, and you know, but it's a really, this is an important thing. You know, so we can talk a lot about the kingdom of God, but there's definitely a decision to be made. This passage also talks about that. It talks about he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. What is the dominion of darkness? I mean, it is just that confusing, conflicted mess that, that when we, so much of us, part of our lives is just like it is confusing and it's hard. And we're called into the kingdom of light, which that is about clarity. It's about stepping into what we were made for. And it took a great sacrifice for that to be able to take place, the kingdom what does it say? Let's read that part again. Yeah, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the question is this, like, am I qualified? Am I qualified? And like I said, there's no, there's no big exam. You don't have to do all these good things, get yourself all like clean and in shape and all morally perfect, and then you come. It's like basically, no, if you're, if you're none of those things, yeah, come. That's, that's who is going to come, right? If you're sick and tired of the status quo, trying to figure out, because you have the sense that you should do good things and you somehow can't always do it, and it's painful and difficult, because, you know, doctors, again, I can say, you know, hey, I know a doctor. I have a doctor in my family. I'm thinking about becoming a doctor. But in a similar way, unless I say I want to be qualified, and it's simply a matter of a sense saying, Jesus, take my life. That's really what we're all here for. We want people to experience the new life that is offered to us in Christ as you, not some cardboard cutout. You know, you've got to behave a certain way, but just as you are. And you'll see something happening inside of you. I have experienced that. And I would never, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I would choose this even if someone proved to me in some scientific way. I'd never experienced such an adventure as I have since I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. It's not what I expected. It's more beautiful. It's more difficult. It's, it's so much more wonderful. I mean, people I would have never met or seen or experienced so many things had I not said that. It's an adventure, truly. Here's a passage just to kind of close before we, we move on to uh, something very connected, but um, it's Romans chapter 8. And many of you guys know this passage. And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In all things. That all is, is, is you can't, Minimize, that's all things God works. This is a confidence for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
But Romans 8.28, and this is kind of a fair, not recent discovery, but, you know, Greek words can be hard to translate. Uh, and, and many people have said that this verse could just as easily be translated in this way, which I think is very interesting. It says, we know that God works in all things together with those who love him to bring about what is good. There's something beautiful about this partnership. God works together with those who love him to bring about what is good. And that's, you know, that's why this is part of our, our mission. We have confidence that even though we don't know how it all fits together, we are part of a kingdom and God is overseeing and drawing us together into certain actions and activities that he is planning how that will bring about life and light and joy and flourishing in our community, people coming to know that they are not garbage, they are not forgotten, they are seen, they are loved, they are known, they are welcome. I'm gonna invite my friend Bill up because we've been doing this thing where every one of these four messages, we tie it to something practical that we're actually doing at New Song right now. And I was thinking about this with Melody and I thought, yeah, we need to hear from Bill Patterson. <laughs> Give him a little round of applause for Bill. Thank you. So but before I have Bill share, I just wanna say, you know, this doesn't actually lead out. There's a, you know, we're qualified to do the pantry ministry which is an incredible, powerful part of our ministry. It's very practical. So it works well with doing good. There's a lot of good that is done in more ways than we know. But we're qualified. One thing I was reading is about true religion that God accepts is this, to care for widows and orphans in their distress, right? I mean, the Bible is full of commands to, to help those in need. And that's a powerful ministry there. So we're qualified to do it. We have, we have the badge that says we can do this kind of ministry. The second thing is knowledge. This, been a, this thing's been going for a long time. And there's been mistakes made. There's been things learned and still learning. And not only that, but learning to see God in it more and more over time for everyone who's involved. And the third thing is confidence. We are certain that people need God. And this is a vehicle by which they might see God at work in their lives. So we're confident that God is in this. So I'm just going to let Bill share his heart for this ministry. And uh, Thank you. Out. You know, it's, I've been involved in the pantry for a long time. And I just have to say, I loved the way it has grown. God has led us, and it is continuing to grow. Those in need, the numbers are growing. The, you know, just God provides the food as well as everyone in this room who has dropped off a can of food that helps supplement what we're doing. The people in the garden, they're out there in the morning and they'll be harvesting, bringing over fresh vegetables that we're going to supplement what we're handing out. Um, it's just something that my heart has been strong with for years. And it does me... I have to admit, it does me as much good as it does some of the people I talk to out there. I've, those that know you know me well, I mean, I've had a lot of health issues. I've had multiple losses. But, you know, I can sit down and talk with some of these people that come in that are in need. And it, their heart has, is, is growing because God is working through all of us in order to assist them and help them. And it's just incredible how things go. 
we've got examples of some stories around here that I've heard from other people that how they have grown and how people they have talked to have grown. And it's just through the pantry. It's we're here to serve a need to feed God's children, God's family. And I just so appreciate my opportunity to do that, be part of it. And I want you to know, just like yesterday, we served over 200 here, okay? And it's, it's, a, it's t consistently growing all the time. There's always need for more volunteers. If anybody ever thinks that they might be led that way, I'd love, love to have you. Things like a store like Target, who has this church as their donation destination, we have people that are volunteering to go over and pick up. Every single day of the week, we have someone there volunteering to pick up. There's always a need for people to help there too. I just think that this church is continuing to grow, and as God leads us and provides his grace for us, we will continue to be able to help these people for a long time. It's all of us together. I want to thank everybody that's been involved. Before I start crying. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I said before I start to cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bill gets quite emotional about emotional. this, and that's, that's like a wonderful sign, you know? You, heart, heart forward in this, right? I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, thank, thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Love you. And there are many, many people involved in this ministry. It's quite amazing when you, when you see all written down how many people are serving in this way. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, also, you know, we don't just leave it at that. You know, we, we want to build relationships. It's not simply a transactional ministry of here's food. And some, some uh, of, uh, ministries like that can, can tend to be that way. We want to get to know people. We want to build relationships. Um, and even the structure of how it's set up each pantry day is designed for communication and connection and even the opportunity for prayer if that's something that's needed. Bill was just sharing with me earlier that there's someone he hasn't seen for a couple of weeks, so he, he left his station and went and talked to the person and, and heard there had been some struggles, so it's just about knowing each other. It's really important. Um, we're going to move to communion now. It's really a chance to celebrate the qualification that we've been offered in Christ, okay? This is this act that we do um, where we take the cup and we take the bread in memory of what Jesus has done for us to set us free from death and from sin and release us into life, into joy, to freedom. Um, so what we're going to do is the band is going to play some music. Uh, we have stations at the front where Josh and I will be. Uh, Amy and Fuzz will be at the back. If uh, in your time you want to get up, uh, so just a, a quick uh, word about communion. Um, parents should have got information about their children, whether they participate or not. We're leaving that to you. If you, if you want information about how to think that through, perhaps, uh, you can come and ask us. Really, uh, if you desire to follow Jesus, then this is something that you can do as a very practical way of demonstrating that uh, and celebrating that. Feel free not to take communion this morning if you feel that that's not something you're quite ready to do. We really want to honor people's journey and some people are just pondering these things. Maybe it's new to you this morning. So it's absolutely fine. But if you want to declare your love for and your qualification in the kingdom of God, then uh, take your time, come and get a cup and a piece of bread and then we'll take them together shortly. So hold them in your place. And uh, if anyone needs served where they're sitting, uh, 
you can raise your hand and someone will come and serve you. Okay, let's, let's go to this. who would like the elements that has not been served or taken anyone the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said this is my body which is for you take it and eat same way after supper he took a cup and he blessed it and he said this is my blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins do this as often as you remember me let's drink the cup
Thank you, Lord, that you have qualified us just as we are. Thank you, Lord, that we can know you better, that we can learn. And thank you, Lord, that we can have confidence that because of what you have done, we can live for you in community with confidence, with joy. We thank you, Lord, for your great forgiveness, redemption, and love. In Jesus' name.